With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the first episode of Meeting Unfiltered with me, Kenyon Martin, and BasketballNews.com, presented by only the best vodka, Grey Goose. Joining me today, I have a very close friend of mine. You know him from Rap City the Basement, DJing for the Atlanta Hawks. He's a philanthropist. Today joining me, Big Tip. What's happening, bro? What's up, man? Well, let me put some light on myself. There I is. There I am. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I was all in the at, background. Let me look at you a little bit, man. What's happening? Hey, man. <laughs> around, you know what I'm saying? Staying safe, staying calm. You know what I'm saying? Let's everything with you, sir. Listen, uh, 2020 has been challenging on all different kinds of levels, and uh, I'm just happy to still be here, still eating, still doing what I do. Uh, Fortunately, the whole family, all the family is pretty much good, but I have zero complaints other than the fact that we're not allowed outside. Oh, down in (laughs) A, though, right? You still in A, right? Well, yeah, they... Hey, they outside down there. (laughs) They are outside down here. I was joking with one of my partners the other day. He was like... (laughs) Oh, somebody said the numbers down in A. I said, yeah, because they ain't getting tested. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the truth, Kenya Martin. That could you know be the saying? truth. Like the numbers <laughs> probably down. I, I'm pretty sure. They're talking about after the G's and um Gucci battle, everybody went to compound. I, I saw a G's interview. He was like, Man, I can see the COVID in the air. <laughs> I'm about right, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I passed on that after party. I was like, "Yeah, y'all, y'all have a good time. I'll holler at you later." <laughs> smart move, smart move. Indeed. So, what was it like growing up in the DMV area, man? Well, I actually grew up in New York first. I'm from the Bronx, New York. Uh, I started my career in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Uh, I went to the University of Maryland College Park. I'm a Turk for life. Uh, from there, I was an intern at WPGC. Um, but I would say I started my career there and, and grew t- big Tigger. The person grew up there. Um, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, it was close enough to New York, but uh, far enough at the same time. And, you know, being a, a born and bred hip hop head, you know what I'm saying? I was raised that way and, you know, getting acclimated with Go-Go, which is the biggest thing in D.C. still. Um, it, it was a lot of fun. And, and I would clearly not be the me that I am right now without D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area. So uh, beginning my adult life and beginning my career, it was absolutely instrumental uh, into me being me. Because of the hip-hop scene there, because, like you said, because of the go-go, the dance, and the different sound that it was. So you was able to get that in as well as the other part of saying that I'm your background, which, like you said, was hip-hop. Yeah, I mean, like, again, I grew up in hip-hop, but, you know, Go-Go is really like a close cousin to hip-hop in the first place. It's just this unique thing that happened in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Because I was really, like, my background was hip-hop, like, before Rap City, before all of that, I literally grew I've been DJing since I was 15. 
Uh, we've been, me and some friends from the Bronx been throwing parties since we were 15. We threw parties oh. for kids. Uh, don't think Project X because there wasn't nobody getting their ass whooping. We was just throwing parties <laughs> <laughs> for kids. Uh, yeah. and, and inviting them, like we'd take over like a dance hall in New York and we had like one older supervisor, so to speak, who had all the equipment. But we used, I've been throwing parties since I was 15. But when I came to school in Maryland and, and then just getting acclimated and absorbed into the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia culture was close because it was kind of similar, uh, but it was different. Uh, but it also rounded me out as an individual just to give me a different experience than just being a kid from New York. So uh, being able to experience that has definitely been helpful. Uh, so that's when Live in the Den started? Live in the Den, yeah. Live in the Den began. I mean, Live in the Den was my very first show. Uh, wow, what year was it? This is my, listen, I'm a... This is my 26th year of radio, Kenya Martin. Oh, 2003, <laughs> I think it was. 19, well, no, no, no. The, that was my that? syndicated show. Oh, my was, very that's first one. Big, big. That's when that, it, so that's when you became big. <laughs> I mean, but Live in the Den was what I used to call my very first show in D.C. in 1994. Uh, the syndicated Live in the Den started in 2003. Oh, okay, uh, okay. And that was on the weekends. That was like uh, 73 cities and three countries. Uh yeah, we we was making a little noise back then. We was having a lot of fun. Matter of fact, I just saw some old pictures of A, you and Mello came to the basement. Yep. And then uh I think it was the same weekend I had the, uh that hypnotic party down at Juniors. Uh and we was all there celebrating my one year anniversary alive in the den. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just saw them pictures too. Wow, brother. <laughs> wow, man. <right? laughs> I'm saying when I first got to Jersey. I came on the show. Right. I think I had on the mink. I think I had on the brown. <laughs> and put that thing flat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Didn't know no better. I was like, man, yeah. I got to show up. I'm going on the basement. Listen, yeah. come on. You like, showed up to show it out. Story. Like, wow. Like, I'm on the basement with Tigger. Like, that's a good segue to talk about the basement. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Like, me being young from Dallas and certain kind of music that we listened to was down. Like I really wasn't in the East Coast stuff a lot. Right. When I got to Cincinnati, it became more. Then when I got to Jersey, it was I was in it. <laughs> right. But for you to have a different variety of artists from all over the country, man, come mm. through and bless that. And what inspired like that concept? Like I'm not just going to have East Coast and what people know. Mm. Like I'm going to introduce everybody to this thing. Well, Rap City even before um before I became a part of it was very good at, you know, trying to show different parts of the country and different music from different areas. Uh once I became the first iteration, it was me, Joe Clan, Les. Uh we were all three hosts for one season and that was the year right before the basement. Um, but even in that iteration, like we traveled a lot. I remember doing a show in St. Louis with Nelly. I remember going, like we used to do all, like go to people's neighborhoods. There's a video that's going viral right now with Cam and me walking around in D.C. doing cartwheels. I don't know why we anyone allowed that to happen. <laughs> Not backflips, cartwheels. <laughs> cart, cart, something apparently, <laughs> something the Dipset was doing back then. And I, I had, you know, I was like, what's up with the cartwheels? And somehow we turned it into a cartwheel challenge on Georgia Ave in D.C. I don't know why. But anyway, um, 
when I got on the basement, you know, it was kind of already a thing to, you know, you to speak to and shine light on all the different artists from all over the place, you know, and then, you know, whether it be, you know, Swisher House or, you know, whatever was, you know, Texas, all of that. Mm. <laughs> Atlanta, Birmingham, Alabama, like wherever he was from, Mississippi, you know, like we, we tried to, you know, the focal point has been New York and Cali, New York and Cali, New York and Cali. Then the South came up and then, you know, Midwest and then Texas. We just wanted to show the diversity in it because BET was, the beauty of BET is that it was in all over the country. So why would you neglect a whole different segment of the country? And it was kind of cool for me and educational for me to get that game from, you know, these artists like from a Scarface or to get that game from, a, uh, I mean, different people from different places, from a Twister in Chi-Town and just to hear the different ways that things was moving. and how It was it was really cool to see it. And it helped, again, help helped grow me up as, as a personality with that that kind of exposure. Yeah, that's what's up. So mm -hmm. everybody was known that they had, they knew that they had to spit something when they came through that. Right. And for you to be the host and hold it down every time with your little six, hey, whatever you was gonna spit, <laughs> your four bars, whatever it was. Right. Like you never disappointed, bruh. Like, Thank you. Did you ever like want to do something different with that, or you just that's what it was for? You know what I'm saying? Because you, because uh, a lot of it was off the top, and a lot, a lot of, of people can can <laughs> can they not that quick? That I'm saying that wick ain't that fast, man. Like you would <laughs> you would piggyback on what somebody else just said. I'm pretty sure you already had something that you wanted to go with, kind of, but then you would flip it. I'm like. Tig can actually rap, like yeah, not just rap, that. freestyle. Like what? Like did you ever want to do something different with that? Um, I, I there were a, a couple real great conversations. Uh, in particular, after I did the song with R. Kelly, yeah. uh, triple platinum. I might yes. add triple platinum. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, after we did that song, and I went on tour with R. Kelly, and we shot a whole video that took four days. It was Fiesta amazing. Four day, remix took four days? Uh, the snake, the snake, because we snake. shot the regular yeah. snake video and we shot the remix with Cameron. Yeah. So we shot them in the same, like it took four days. Four day shoot. It was it was amazing to be a part of. And then I haven't gone on to, so I had all these conversations with record labels and um, there was some doubters back then. And the one thing that I was lucky enough to have learned from lots of different people in the industry, being from the whole side, is that it is the music business. Yeah. And I wasn't going to take any shorts on the business end of things. So, because I, you couldn't treat me like an unknown, you know, artist or something, because I already had, I got 72 million homes five times a week. Yeah. Like, I got, I have a whole different platform to bring to it. And I never kind of got the right conversation or the right deal or the right situation. So, I had started working on an album. And I kind of got discouraged with it, but I was not in a in a mad, angry way. I was kind of like, oh, well, I go back to TV and radio. I'm I'm good, you know. what I'm saying I'm good. Oh, yeah, I'm good and on I, this side. <laughs> Listen, this would be extra. Uh, and I saw that's kind of what happened with my album because there was a lot of people asked, especially when the R. Kelly thing came out. Everybody was, like, all right, I know the album coming. I know the album coming. Yeah. And I had started working on it and doing little projects and different things. Um, I just the business part never really worked out for me because I was gonna have to sit down either a radio show or a television show to go pursue this music thing full time. 
And for me, the money got to make, like, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. You already know. What about now? Like, you don't need no record label now. Facts. Like, uh, hey, you know, I'm with you. Like, hey, I, like, I'm on you now. Like, nah, you don't need no record label now to do none of this. Because trust me, I didn't hear some bad shit out here, dog. Like, it's some bad shit out here in these I'm trust I'm not. I'm the hard critic rap guy. Like it's some of I get the, the younger generation all that, but it's some listen. It's some shit that's tough on the listen. That's tough on the ears, man. There is so there's another conversation. There's a couple <laughs> conversations. I love conversations. Um, uh, I talked to. Uh, it was two conversations. Uh, Hitmaker came by my show to talk about a thing, and he was like, "Take you know, I got some beats for you." And I was like, "Well, send me a couple. Let me see what I. Let me see what my mind looking like." And then I was on Kid Capri's live the other day, and Kid is always producing stuff yeah. uh, as well as DJing. So I might, there's still a chance that you might get a very a small EP from me if I can figure out something I really want to say. Because that's, you know, the, the detriment and the blessing for me is I have a radio show every day. So most of the yeah. stuff that I want to say, I can get off every day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But putting something that I really want to express to people uh, in an artistic sonic way is you know i it was some things i would put you know if i could come up with a concept of something i think is dope and something tangible rather than just you know the same old same old same yeah. old because I, I i don't want to discredit myself or or, or hip-hop by just throwing something out i'm with you. yeah don't be like everybody else yeah yeah <laughs> please don't do that <laughs> been in your own lane for a long time please, please don't fall into that category amen <laughs> Not to state the obvious, but it's been a year. And although the holiday season will look a bit different, we're still excited to celebrate the good with only the best vodka, Grey Goose. We don't have to deal with the travel woes, lost luggage, fitting everything into a carry-on, flight delays, crowded airports, holiday traffic. Instead, we are inspired by a reimagination of things that we love most about the holidays because cherishing our holiday traditions doesn't mean we have to cherish everything about them, just the best parts. This year, celebrate carrying on, staying in, and making meaningful connections with the ones you love most. And, of course, celebrating only the best moments with the best vodka, Grey Goose. We're really looking forward to a holiday cocktail made with only the best vodka, the Grey Goose Holiday Punch. It's the best cocktail to toast to all the good things about this holiday season. Grey Goose is making it easier than ever to enjoy a well-deserved cocktail. And a spoiler alert, you don't have to leave your house to make it. Visit greygoose.com at one click and you have a Grey Goose Holiday Punch Cocktail Kit delivered to your door. The Grey Goose Holiday Punch Cocktail Kit comes with everything you'll need to make a holiday punch. Grey Goose Vodka, Pomegranate Juice, Sweet and Black Tea, Martini and Rossi Prosecco, plus a dehydrated lemon wheel and fresh sage for your garnish. So impress your quarantine pod with your at-home bartending skills. You won't have to tell them how easy it was. Cheers. Sip responsibly. Imported by Grey Goose Import Company. Coral Gables, Florida, vodka, 40% alcohol by volume, distilled from French wheat. Yeah, man, that's, man, you've been doing a lot of great things uh, as of late, um, since you've been, um, been DJing for the Hawks. Uh, how's that experience been? Uh, this upcoming season, let me get this right, five, this will be my 12th year as an NBA DJ. I spent five in DC with the Wizards. Yep. 
Uh, then I got traded. That's what I keep saying. I got traded. I got traded to, <laughs> I got traded to the Hawks. Peace uh, tree. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of dope to know that twenty thousand people are sitting there 41 times a year waiting on what you play. You know what I'm saying? That is kind of a you know that's kind of a dope residency to know that you control the energy of a building. Yeah. Uh, you know, the game is, is front and foremost, the players, and you know, but if, if, if Kenya Martin comes down and catches this super oop and they call timeout, I got to launch the right song to keep the building buzzing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Because K-Mart's screaming on them. I got to have something with the same yeah, kind yeah, of energy. Kind of act that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of hard work. But, again, there's only like – 10, 11 NBA DJs out of 30 franchises. Um, so I'm really proud to say that, you know, I have, I have been one and I still am one uh, over 10 years now. I'm kind of proud of that. Yeah, that's what's up, man. And the two cities that you've been in doing this, mm. appreciate it, trust me. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Because I, of the population, that's that most of the games and all that. But no, nah, that's, that's dope, man, that you can be still able to display that art, I'm saying that gift that you had of DJing and, uh, and not only people, radio and TV and stuff like that, but at them games, like you said, that means something. Right. That warm up music means something. It means like something. We, when we come out, like I will, <laughs> I, no disrespect to BGs, like I don't want to hear the BGs when I'm warming up. Like, <laughs> right. I need that even on the road. Like that's, <laughs> like we come out, like we've been on the, some road game, you like, I can't listen to this, and they don't go allow us to wear our headphones out in the warm up. So it's like, like what? Right. You, like, but now having like game DJs, like y'all make the game, like you said, I mean, y'all make the game what it is as well. I'm saying not just the play. Like, yeah. it, it could definitely change the temperature in the whole joint, man. Right. One of the greatest compliments that I've ever gotten was is uh, Kobe did an interview in Dime Magazine, and they were, t I guess, they interviewed him either right when he was in DC or right after he left DC. And Kobe gave me the biggest shout out in this Die Magazine article. You know, me and Kobe was cool, but he, I mean, he he was like, they was talking about the entertainment aspect of the game. And he was like, listen, like, I was just in D.C. and Big Ticket had the building rocking and da 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 da, -da. And I opened the magazine up, <gasps> you know, like, yeah, I, that, I went and showed sad. all my bosses. Like, look, Kobe said. Yeah. <laughs> <Equal> raise. <laughs> Cut the check. Kobe, Kobe said it. <laughs> It should be good for at least this now. Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, rest in power to my man Kobe. But I was so proud of like, you know, like you you take your flowers when you get them, but when somebody, you know, anybody give you a compliment, you you feel better. But for Kobe to have, you know, put that in print. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was like, oh, that was kind of dope. So I felt good about it. Yeah, for him to make that a must for yeah, to put it apart his interview. You know what I'm saying? That's right. A lot been going on, man, the last couple years and just around with police violence and mm. social injustice and different things. We all know what's been going on out here. The George Floyd, Breonna Taylor's, uh, Ahmaud Arbery's, and this long list of people, you know what I'm saying? Mm. That's been mm -hmm. at the hands of things going on from the other side. What have you been doing on your side to to put the voice out and Acknowledge the um, the um the injustice thing that's been going on. Have you been on the front lines, or you've been staying more in the back? Have like, well, what has been your involvement? I've only been to one march. 
uh, and I went to see if I was if it was the thing for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I went out there and it was cool, and I enjoyed being part of the movement. I decided not to be out on the front lines. It was kind of not that it wasn't for me. I just thought it was my voice on the, on my platform on the radio was was better suited way for me to uh, to lean into the situation. Um, I have uh, you know consistently, especially because stuff is happening here in Atlanta or close to Atlanta. Uh, you know, had to, you know, reference or, you know, educate, elevate uh, and inform people about what's going on, the updates, uh, where we need to go policy wise, how you need to vote, uh, what you need to do. Uh, and then, I mean, you and I grew up, you know, being scared of the police anyway, knowing that at any particular time as a black man in America, um you you know uh, an encounter with police could be detrimental to your health or your well-being and, and or your family so i i think it's really sad that i ain't been a young person for a long time <laughs> but ain't that much changed you know what i'm saying yeah, things have gotten better but it seemed like not really uh i think the difference is now that it's just it's just more front street because it's social media everybody got a camera on the phone uh, and, and you have to ask yourself, had there not been cameras, had there not been cell phones, had there not been social media, how much of this stuff would we not even know about? How much would this would have got swept in a rug? How much would have been justified when it was even when it was unjustifiable? Um, so I, I think my point in staying plugged in uh, again, I, I think the information part, making sure the information gets to the masses is kind of the role that I've been playing. Uh, and at the same time, anytime that I can get in front of young people and help them understand, you know, that there's rule until the game has changed, there's still rules to the game. Definitely, definitely. Nah, I'm, you I'm know, 100% with that, man. And, and, and helping the young people understand the rules of the game that you still have to play with until we can change the rules is still where we got to be. Yeah, you definitely got to, yeah, you definitely got to adjust, adjust right. and adapt to the climate and the things that you've been in that you are in. Yeah, that's. That's major, man. But uh, shout out to you for all that that all that you have been doing, man. Just getting the word out, man. That, that's huge. Well, I mean, the, the people on the front lines really deserve because I mean, there are people that I know personally and people like that just out there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That that, that takes a, a a strong level of commitment. So while my part, my role is 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 instrumental as far as keeping people uh, informed and educated. Them people on the front lines is really making it happen. So shout out to them, like Tamika D. Mallory, my man, uh, my son, uh, all those people, Black Lives Matter, you know, the people that strap up and get on on these streets and make sure that they take it to the streets. Much love out to them. Yeah, because they risking their freedom, man. They're out here getting locked up, I'm saying, for other people. Right. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's going to do that. Like, not everybody. Right. Putting other people for Everybody ain't built like that. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> And I might be one of them. Like I, <laughs> I, I care about my people, and I care about like what's going on. But I don't. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm a little claustrophobic. <laughs> Facts. Yeah. yeah, man. I'm saying, but you've been doing things along these natures for a long time, not just mm. because it's on TV every day and social media. Like right. everybody knew Big Tigger Weekend that we were gonna go have a blast. <laughs> <laughs> I was there year in, year out, right? I had a blast, but that wasn't what the nature of Big Tigger mm-hmm. Weekend was. 
Right. That's what it was popular for, for the for for the masses, but mm. but for the people that got up when you had the brunches and different right. things like that. Like mm. I just want to say that you were doing a great thing, man, for the HIV AIDS community when you were doing it and just putting awareness to different things in the in the DC area. Then you moved to Atlanta for you, then went back to DC. But you was right. putting awareness that I, I kind of think people had forgotten about mm. for the most part. But speak um, on like that part of your existing in your I'm saying your foundation thing that you were doing in that area, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we we made it to nine big ticket weekends. Uh, they, everybody's still trying to get me through ten, by the way. <laughs> uh, but uh, the the big ticket weekend, charity weekend, was centered around uh, educating uh, people around HIV and AIDS awareness. Um, in DC, in particular, at those particular time when I started, the the rates of infection were out of control, uh, especially with uh, young African Americans. Uh, it, the, the, it was just no reason for people to, to, to be contracting this disease, primarily through actions of choice. Yeah. Uh, so if you can educate people about how to make better choices or what, uh, what things to do not to do that, you know, lower your risk, why wouldn't you do that? And, and, and I had been to, and this is where it all came from. I went to an NSYNC charity weekend. And yeah. NSYNC's charity weekend was nuts. <laughs> and I was like, I want to have a weekend? Yeah. Uh, so I identified the cause. It was something that was definitely happening in the D.C. area. Uh, and then I said, let me reach out to a bunch of people I know who are going to attract people. Um, but in order to get free tickets to the game, you had to get tested. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If If you wanted, we had all these other things where we had testing initiatives, we had these panels where we talked to young people about making better decisions, not only with HIV and AIDS and sexuality, but just in life. And they got to sit in front of this wealth of knowledge from people like Taraji uh, Henson to, you know, from you to Carmelo to AI to all these different people that we sat down in front of them to Alicia Keys to TI. And you got game from everybody about different levels of just, you know, how to be a better person, how to live better, how to know better, how to flow better. Um, and that was kind of what the weekend was. I, I, I used to tell people, I'll trick you uh, to come show up and learn something. Because I'm going to say, all these people are going to be here. And then you get there and be like, damn, I learned something. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, man. Like, no, I, you, yeah. you did it right. And shout out to you, man, for always putting other people's first, man, other people's well-being first, man. That's that's huge. Like, that's very, yeah, appreciate very it. That, that speaks volumes man how you were raised and and the, and then the man that you became from that background man so that's that's like that's huge yeah i definitely yeah. enjoyed doing it and uh you know it, it it was tough to do as well you know dealing with a lot of people dealing with a lot of people um but it, it was a lot of fun and aside from all the accolades and acknowledgements and all of that we actually did some i felt like we did some tangible work and some things that impacted some people's lives and that's what mostly made me happy no you did man um, mm. i met a few young young people there over the years um that mm. we back then when i had to like exchange phone numbers with a couple of young people we stayed mm. in touch over the years things like that so you definitely create an environment for people to to receive encouragement and just Word of advice, things like that, man. People that was going through real tough times. Like right. years they like that I met there, it wasn't their fault. Mm. They had HIV or AIDS. It was through birth and different things like that. You know what I'm saying? So nah, you did some things, man, and put people in people's lives for a reason. And yeah, man, 
and you deserve your flowers while you like you said i'm gonna give you flowers you, here, here brother well i appreciate you showing up every year and you actually playing in the game like sometimes i'm like you i just said you was gonna coach you be like nah i'm playing i'm like all right <laughs> yeah, got to man i just can't be around the game man i was there partying yeah. of course having a good time but the cause what we was there for my house. So I played basketball and you putting on a basketball game. So it was yeah. the right idea, you know what I'm saying? Like you you kind of started the trend because when you started playing, then Vince wanted to play. And then when you wanted to play, then Gilbert wanted to play. And then KD wanted to play. And then all these people wanted to play. And I was like, thank you, thank you, KD. Can you start it this thing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You just ain't out here having fun, man. Right. Hey man, I want to thank you for your time, brother. Absolutely, lot, bro. man. For you to be one of the guests on Need None Filter, man, it's it's going places and it's gonna get started real, real, real great, man. So appreciate. Well, let me con- time, let me congratulate you on having a podcast, sir. I know it's gonna do well. Uh, my only my only thing that I'm gonna tell you from friend to friend, professional to professional, now as a broadcaster to broadcast, be yourself, have fun, and have them real conversations because that's what they're gonna come for. Already. Right. <laughs> Appreciate it, brother. Already. Kmart!